Hi, I'm Ken. And I'm Dee. And this is Antiques Freaks. Non-GMO, all wholesome ingredients podcast. No purebred dogs in this podcast. Absolutely not. (laughs) What antiques are we talking about this week? At some point, a couple of people had mentioned Hess trucks. And what the fuck with that? They've sort of been like a background noise my entire life as someone who loves antiques. If you become interested in antiques and collectibles, they will constantly be floating in your periphery forever. So part one would be get used to that. (laughs) As a result, I never paid a lot of attention to them. It turns out I was in the minority of people who don't pay a lot of attention to that. Now, as the name suggests, Hess trucks are toy trucks produced by the Hess Corporation, an oil company. Now, the Hess Corporation itself has been bought out and merged multiple times to the point where I lost track of the steps it took, although I do know that it is currently merged with Chevron today. And they produced a variety of mostly trucks, but later on included things like helicopters, police cars, spaceships, and other emergency-type vehicles. This is my emergency spaceship. This is my emergency spaceship. By the way, sidebar. I always thought it was very weird. As an adult, it's very weird. As a child, it makes total sense that children have, like, an obsession with emergency vehicles. They're distinctive in appearance, brightly colored, and make fun noises. I know, but as an adult, looking back, it's like, what a weird thing to be interested in. They're brightly colored and make fun noises with distinct shapes (laughs) i just i long for the days that that's when that's all they meant to me you know i mean you know so uh, their inception was in 1964 the gas station magnate leon hess huge surprise um had just started finding success with hess oil and he wanted to give back to his customers specifically his children customers with offering one-of-a-kind toy trucks he wanted to give back to his customers by which he meant i want my customers to give me more money in different ways (laughs) yeah Uh, Yes. A gift for you and an exchange. (laughs) You fill my wallet. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. Uh, Part one is pretty wild that multiple sources call it like giving back to his customers, a sign of gratitude for his customers. Almost as though they're copying from the same press release. (laughs) They did cost money. There was no point where these were free. (laughs) All right. Leon Hess gets some credit. Does he? These were really good value. Okay. So in a way, it's like giving back to the customers in that it was like a good value. And they were specifically designed to kind of be at a low price point so that it wouldn't be super expensive for parents. He's practically giving them away, except he really isn't. Except that he isn't. They cost money. Yeah. (laughs) I said, we're giving him a little credit. I don't think I am. I don't think I'm giving him a lick of credit at all. I think if he wants credit, he can purchase it with the money that he earned (laughs) from selling these trucks and pretending they were gifts. Maybe this will change your mind a little bit. Will it? (laughs) So the first Hess truck was $1.39 a piece. Okay. And what your money? In 1964 money- That's a bajillion dollars. It's not a bajillion. In 1964, you could buy a house with $1.64. It's not a bajillion, but it's more than you think. Just a sec. (laughs) In today money, it would be nine seventy six, which is actually still pretty cheap for a toy. That's an insane sentence, but okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't like that it's true, but like, I bought a Polly Pocket for a toy drive, and it was seventeen dollars. <sighs> Side sidebar: They're making the regular Polly Pockets again. Amazing. Aren't those a choking hazard? Yeah, they super are. But they say on the tin that they really are for like ten year olds and people who aren't inclined to eat them. Well, I'm sure the toddlers will read those words in the packaging and know not to play with these chokeable toys. Yeah, well, I mean, grapes have been a problem too. I'm not gonna blame Polly Pocket. <laughs> 
I'm going to blame Big Grape. Big Grape, it's their fault um, that these test trucks are so expensive in 1964. Exactly, thank you. Finally, someone's saying it. <laughs> so, it was a gas tanker, which makes, like, sense. It was actually based on the company's first B-61 Mack truck and tank trailer that Leon Hess had bought with the eternal 1960s success story. He saved up his pocket money when he was 10 and he bought a B-61 Mack truck and now he is a millionaire and none of the privileges he had had anything to do with it. Self-made with daddy's money! <laughs> yeah, self-made with living with his parents who were buying him food and being a white guy. <laughs> How very Kino twins of him. Very Kino twins. But it did have some cool features, which I was actually really shocked for 1964. Working headlights and taillights controlled by a switch. A cargo tank that could be filled and emptied with a funnel and rubber hose. Oh, that rules. And it came with batteries. What? Yeah. So, decent value. For a dollar sixty-nine? For a dollar thirty-nine? Yeah. I'll take any damn. So, you see where I'm giving him credit? This is a pretty high-value toy. It is playable out of the box. It almost makes up for all those dead penguins. It almost makes up for the horrible, horrible things that his company would go on to be known for. <laughs> Now, in my opinion, and in many other professionals' opinion, this was actually originally a marketing gimmick in a time before easily available TV and radio slots. What? He wasn't selling toys branded with his company out of the goodness of his heart? <laughs> it, turns out he, it turns out he was not. I would say the one philanthropic thing he did was just that he made them good. <laughs> So you're saying the toys he insured were top quality so people to associate his company with top quality after seeing the company name printed on the toys he sold them for money was not a pure-hearted deed? <laughs> it was- it seems not to have been. Although, I guess I'm just gonna put the- this isn't a- this is my opinion. In case the Hess fans really want to come for my throat at this one. Email us at podcast at gmail.com! The man did own a petroleum company, so like, you would forgive me for not being willing to give him the Hero of the Year award. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, in my opinion, the best thing he did was that these were at least worth the money. Worth the dead penguins. Also worth it. <laughs> they were actually manufactured by the Marx Company. Of the brothers? Uh, no, they get that a lot, though. <laughs> they must be so sick of that. Can you imagine? <laughs> Finally, they get through a whole day without any Marx Brothers jokes, and then someone shows up at their office and says, Das Kapital? Yeah, and then he... <laughs> The problem with it is that there were too many jokes to make. <laughs> uh, but yeah, for, for ner big nerds, you might recognize the Marx Company as a very popular, high-quality toy company through the 1960s and 70s. You would have to be a very big and very specific kind of nerd to think toy company before our friends Carl and Groucho. There were other Marx brothers, you know. Wait, you don't think Karl Marx and Groucho Marx were brothers, right? No, I am saying Karl Marx who wrote Stock's copy tall, which I literally just referenced, and Groucho as the elected representative of all his other brothers. Okay, okay, okay. All right, I just wanted to make sure. They can't make Harpo the spokesman. I was just, I was momentarily concerned. Because you said the Marx brothers, but then you only said two of them. Karl isn't <laughs> one of them! I, I, I was just making sure you knew that. Okay, I'm sorry. Harpo, Chico, Groucho, and the other one. Carl. <laughs> no, the handsome one that they dropped because he didn't test well with audiences. There was a fourth. There was a really, and he was handsome. Yeah, he's in like the early movies. 
It's been a minute since I had access to Turner Classic Movies, so this could be erroneous, but I'm pretty sure there was a fourth one that was supposed to be like the straight man, and then they realized, oh, everyone else in the movie is a straight man. This guy's superfluous. That's crazy. There's a secret Marx brother that they're hiding from you because he's too hot. I don't think he's secret. Let me look this up and make sure I'm not writing Marx Brothers fan fiction. <laughs> Welcome to our Marx Brothers podcast. There's a secret fourth one, and he was so hot, and he was my husband. No. I heard there was a secret Marx. <laughs> You don't care for slapstick comedy, do you? <laughs> okay, so there were five. What the fuck? What? Every minute that passes, another Marx Brother is added to the family. Chico, Harpo, Groucho, everyone fucking knows. The younger brothers, Gummo and Zeppo, according to Wikipedia, never developed their stage characters to the same extent as the elder three. Both left the act to pursue business careers at which they were successful. <laughs> Gum- Wait, I'm sorry. Their legal name wasn't Gummo and Zippo. I don't believe so. It can't, it can't be. <laughs> Gummo was not in any of the movies, but Zeppo appeared in the first five films of relatively straight, parenthetical, non-comedic roles. So yes, there was a fourth one in the movies originally. I was right. Okay. And he was very boring in the face, which passes for handsome. That's the same thing as being hot. Wow, okay, um, shit. This concludes our Marx Brothers podcast. Welcome to the Marx cast. Also, yes, none of those are the real first names. Thank Christ. <laughs> you, you can never tell. You can never tell back in history. You really can't. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, they were a, a marketing gimmick. A high quality marketing gimmick, but they were a marketing gimmick. And the general idea was to encourage people to go get gas at Hess instead of somewhere else because you could also grab a cheap fun toy for your kid while you're there. Quote unquote cheap. There is a legend, I could find nothing to back this as a state of fact, that the state of New Jersey, in which Hess originated, the governor had asked them to stop selling the trucks after Thanksgiving because of the need for police crowd control. Huh. They wanted to give the cops, more more of the cops, a break for Thanksgiving, and they weren't getting that because they continually needed to roll them out due to the crowds that would quickly start to accumulate around Hess gas stations. So according to the lore, Hess kicked off Black Friday. That does seem to be part of of the lore is that they were the original Black Friday store. Again, I could find nothing factual to back this. If you have it, please let me know. Email us, antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. Are you the fifth Marx brother? And are you hot? (laughs) (laughs) Now, because of the fact that these trucks would sell out extremely quickly, in fact, the very first launch sold out within a few days, a lot of people's fond memories of why they love collecting Hess actually come back to going from gas station to gas station and hoarding the two per customer limit and scalping them. A tradition I'm proud to say continues to this day. (laughs) Yay! It's a weird thing to reminisce about your childhood, but five separate people recounted it as part of their love of the Hess truck collection, so I'm just going to list it here as part of the joy. (laughs) Part of the joy is undermining capitalism and or participating in it depending on how you look at it. We need to ask the sixth Marx brother to find out. In the seventh. He's out there somewhere, I know it. (laughs) At the end of the podcast, we reveal that I was the eighth Marx brother and that's why I have all the family lore. And then I have to reveal that I was the ninth Marx brother (laughs) and we've been siblings this whole time, but we didn't know it until we got to this episode. (laughs) It explains why no one can tell us apart. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone is just like, wow, you guys are the exact same height. (laughs) While I'm standing at your shoulder. (laughs) I meant in audio format, but yeah. (laughs) Oh, that should be easy. I'm extremely nasal in recordings. So am I! I can't tell. (laughs) 
Uh, do we sound the same? Write in. Antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a five-star review. I didn't realize till just now that you guys were two different people. Um, <laughs> so these have, like, a really strong association with people's childhoods of being flippers, which could be pretty cool, like Ken said. One funny thing is that the toy trucks managed to outlive Hess as an active gas station. And most of the penguins. They were acquired by Speedway in 1994. And while they managed to maintain a sort of separate interest in doing boring oil company bullshit, they no longer had gas stations called Hess. However, Speedway continued to sell Hess branded trucks. And Chevron, as of this year, has officially merged with Hess. And the primary announcement, the one thing, the first question everyone asked, including a family member of the CFO, was, are you still going to sell the Hess toy trucks? Damn. Yeah, in an interview, he he said that his son-in-law came to him before the announcement was made public and asked if he would were planning on still selling the Hess trucks. What a legacy. Granted, it's a better one than what they actually spent their time doing, but hey. I mean, you know. And what's more is the process of developing the yearly toy is extremely secret and very long. It can take anywhere from two to three to six for very complicated designs for them to be developed. Two to three years, that is. I was gonna say, two to three to six minutes? Like, who did it two to three? Two to three to six units of time. <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Two to three to six fortnights. Yeah, up to six years from concept to market. So they're playing the long game. And they protect these secrets with their fucking life. Then again, I don't know what the market would be for, like, secret Hess designs. Because as far as I can tell, it seems like if they made a wooden block with four wheels that just had Hess on the side, it would still sell like hotcakes because it's the brand people have the attachment to. Well, also like that design in particular would be praised as like a return to form and like, ah, yes, simplicity. Ah, embracing the minimalism of the past. Embracing the minimalism of an all beige room. And by the way, Hess, that's not a free idea and I do expect a check. If you decide to use it. Oh, 100%. Yeah, copyright, copyright, trademark, do not steal. So yeah, as I've implied here, they create a new model every year that they sell for Christmas around Black Friday. They have that really grating commercial that is set to the My Boyfriend's Back song. But unlike your boyfriend, the Hess truck will not save your reputation. No. What is that a reference to? The lyrics of the song, My Boyfriend's Back, He's Gonna Save My Reputation. Hey nah, hey nah, my boyfriend's back. Is that really? Okay, my entire knowledge of this song is the commercials that have used it. Once again, new tab in Firefox, looking this up to make sure I'm not talking out of my ass, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, my boyfriend's back, he's gonna save my reputation. Hey la, de la, my boyfriend's back. So I was slightly inaccurate there. It is not hey nah, hey nah. <laughs> oh, excuse me. You know what? Go get in the fucking penalty box. <laughs> Get a new Marx Brother out of the vat. This one's defective. <laughs> yeah, all right. I'm unloading the next Marx Brother clone. <laughs> this one's talking a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> this one can't remember the fucking lyrics to my boyfriend's back. But yeah, <laughs> my boyfriend's back. He's going to save my reputation. If I were you, I'd take a permanent vacation. Is she telling him to die? The implication throughout the song as a whole is that a certain gentleman has been hanging around this lady when she did not wish him to keep her company and her boyfriend has returned to town and is big and strong and will chase this unwanted suitor away. Oh, okay. I think he should kill him. I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> In theory... <laughs> In theory, if the 
unwanted suitor does not flee, the boyfriend will end his life. But ideally, it will not come to that. <laughs> welcome, to, welcome to the My Boyfriend's Back cast, uh, <laughs> where we break down the lyrics of My Boyfriend's Back. <laughs> Uh, I also have in my notes here, um, it's isolated, and I just wanted to bring it up. I wrote, plush tugboat, holy shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they've created something in your wheelhouse, have they? Yeah, this year they have released a plush tugboat, and apparently my response to that was holy shit. Well, yeah, because I know you, and I know your plush collection. I love a plush tugboat, I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> I think that ended up replacing a line about that I was going to talk about the items that weren't just toy trucks. But why would you when you have a plush tugboat? There's a plush tugboat. <laughs> Although an interesting thing is from 1964 to 1994, there was only one non-truck toy. It was an oil tanker ship. Oh, so you can act out the death of all those penguins? Yeah, a bit grim. I do agree. You can play act the dolphins drowning when they inhale petroleum from the surface. Yeah, it comes with a bunch of glitter, so you can imagine the like the shimmer of the oil on the water. Did you ever have access as a child to this very grim little cartoon about whales, where it's like whales both trying to outrun the industrial whaling industry of the 20th century and also like dealing with oil spills during which one of them graphic drowns in the method I just described. Whoa, what the fuck? No. Dark Wave, give me Grim Whale cartoons. Samson and Sally? No, absolutely not. What are you talking about? A 1984 Danish-Swedish animated fantasy drama film? I have not seen. Based on the novel The Song of the Whales? <laughs> it sounds depressing. It is, yeah. I watched this over and over again as a child, and it might explain what I became. <laughs> yeah, that actually explains- <laughs> In retrospect, a lot of shit is making sense. Hey, we you know we wanted to talk about Hess Trucks and the collectible market, and what we got was some intense backstory on Ken. Not only is he one of the failed Marx Brother clones, <laughs> but also- <laughs> Oh boy. I do find it really funny that in 1966 they make a really like detailed oil tanker and then they say, wow, I fucking hated that. And then proceed to not do that again until the 90s. Wow. Now you might be saying, D, what the fuck? You've been talking a lot of shit about these fucking toy trucks. Why do I care? A lot of these are worth like a ton of money, it turns out. Oh, worm. And as someone who does take an interest in unusual toys and collectibles that might be great for collecting or resale, I 100% until I had done this research would not have noticed literally any of them ever at all. Now, there is one big caveat, which is the general consensus for collectors, specifically for reselling of Hess trucks. If you are collecting for the joy of having little Hess trucks, then you are in a different league. But for, especially for resale, nothing after 1980. Now, of course, there are uh, exceptions to this. There is a 2018 set of minis, which was three mini trucks featuring the 1970 fire truck, the 77 tanker, and the 88 truck and racer, which is apparently and provably selling for up to $4,000 on eBay. So money laundering. It's money laundering type prices. And as a 2018 Hess collectible, I think it would actually skip a lot of people's notice if you saw it at like a flea market. Yeah. But it turns out there were low production numbers. It was a commemorative thing. They only sold a couple and it's worth a couple thousand dollars now. Damn. Notably, that is like the one really like major exception I found it's anything before 1980 is really where the heat's gonna be. For example, you have the Red Velvet 67 tanker. Wow. This is a tanker very similar to the first 64 tanker. It sells pretty reliably for up to $3,000, $4,000 online. Money laundering. Now, 
Why is that? Money laundering. It is because in its base that it sat upon, they had flocked it in red velvet. Now, when you consider several things, actually one thing, these were toys for children, it might occur to you that the red velvet packaging didn't survive in most of the situations. And these prices are representative only of trucks that have the red velvet base. I see. There are only 300,000 ever made, and so you can imagine how what number of those made it out with their red velvet bases intact, given that they were given to children. Almost as if they were toys. What I thought was funny is that the original 1964 tanker, while it certainly commands a price in the thousands, regularly sells for less than the red velvet tanker, up to $1,900, thereabouts. Damn. There's also the mystery, to me, of the 1970 one USA pumper. It was a oil tanker, but they ran out of boxes that had the silk screened illustrations on them, and so shipped them in a plain white box with just the word Seasons Greetings on it. Seasons Greetings! <laughs> and also, for some reason, a couple of them had caution stickers put on top of them. And I looked everywhere for why there was a caution sticker on a toy truck. And I found nothing. Not really dispelling my season's greasons theory. No, but if you add the caution to the season's greasons, it adds a hundred dollars to the resale price. <laughs> I don't. Damn. Um, in addition to just thinking it's very funny to run out of boxes and then just like scrawl season's greasons on the side and have that suddenly start selling for thousands of dollars, having a mysterious caution sticker that I could not divine the purpose of making it more expensive is very, very fucking funny. Apologies to any actual Hess truck collectors in the audience, if you're even still here after all of my cruel, cruel penguin jokes, this isn't sounding less like a money laundering scheme. <laughs> it's uh, this is this is your typical collector collectibles that quickly realized they were collectible situation. They always seem a little bit like money laundering because they're just trying to maximize profit and resale value. If I ran you through what Transformers is doing nowadays, I think you'd say the same thing. If you ran me through what Transformers is doing nowadays, I think I'd just go take a nice long nap in the ocean. That's very kind of you to respond to one of my favorite things with. <laughs> you like Transformers for the stories. You don't like them for Hasbro squeezing blood out of this particular stone. No, in fact, it makes me quite angry. Yeah, okay then. Collecting used to mean something. D did it? Yeah, it was like a community thing, bro. Like My Little Ponies. Oh, that's true, yeah. And how you you would like, oh, I got two lickety splits. I'm going to trade you for one of your twinkle eyes. And like, it was about like, it was about sharing. Now it's about hoarding. I hate that. Yeah. The 1966 tanker is another really hot ticket item. I have seen eBay sales go from anywhere from 2,400 to 5,000. This will depend, of course, very heavily on condition. In fact, one of the things that makes this such a heavy reseller is it had tons of little tiny, very breakable pieces like anchors and flags and masts. And again, children's toy to find one that has all of the little bits and bobs still on it, much less the box, would be extremely rare. Hence, those extremely high prices. So if you're looking to get into the Hess game, three big things you gotta remember. Maybe don't run for anything that is made after 1980 unless you have a pretty solid suspicion that it's a rare, collectible, uh, limited edition piece. Oh, you're you're speaking strictly in like aftermarket collecting, not in buying the Hess truck as it comes out every year. Oh yeah, I can't help you with that. I looked into it and I gave up because frankly, new object flipping and scalping does depress me a little bit. And it seems like there is a like six month period that you can scalp the new items for twice the value. 
uh, which is kind of like lower margins than I would be fucked to deal with for that level of effort, and also just kind of ruins it for everyone else. Uh, I mean, I'm not here to debate, like, capitalism is a bitch or whatever. It just makes me unhappy. <laughs> that's what we got our brother Carl for. <laughs> yeah, that's what we got Carl for. I don't see that as, like, a long-term business strategy. If you're doing, like, really, like, limited time flipping like that, you have a huge chance of losing money. It just kind of sucks in, like, an internal way to do. They only sell them online now, which I think is, like, a huge bummer. What the f- th What's the point? What is even the point? What is the point? Yeah. Well, I guess it keeps crowds down at the gas stations, which, like, yeah, that's better, but, like... Yeah, even the OGs were even saying that, like, part of the fun for them was, like, finding a place that still had them with their parents and walking around and stuff. Yeah. Like, there was an active participation thing that made it, like, feel different. So having them sell entirely online, like, already is like, well, I'm, you know, I'm cashed out. As with any, like, new collectible that has, like, a built-in collector base, you're kind of on your own with the resale values of those. They depreciate very quickly. You have to be on top of it, and that's, frankly, too much trouble for me. If you want to get into it, then just know that you've got a couple of months to make that money. And almost no one actually does limited quantities very reliably anymore, so I wouldn't rely on them saying that it's limited edition necessarily. Re-releases happen pretty frequently. You can talk to Magic the Gathering fans if you want to know more about that. <laughs> For example, you can listen to our Magic the Gathering episode. <laughs> yeah, where they do talk about that, um, and it's a very similar situation. I'm here to help you make money on the old stuff. So, before 1980, and the best condition you can possibly imagine. This is kind of where the heat is, because these are toys. They are primarily, or were, I guess, up until they started selling online exclusively, these were primarily toys for children, which makes the pristine ones pretty hard to find, unless you had, like, a very polite and clean-playing little child, which they're out there. And the super heat comes from the original box. This is the bread and butter of the collector who is willing to pay the good money is an original box. Kids don't keep those. The ones that have survived are true warriors of the toy land. Wow. Yeah, I'm gonna put it that way and I'm not taking it back. These are really well documented, being a relatively new collectible. Most of them are cataloged. There are multiple books you can check. If you are a casual reseller, I assume you wouldn't be into that, but there are also websites. So if you see an older-looking Hess truck out at a yard sale or something, don't necessarily pass it by. Take a minute and take a look to see if it's in good shape, if it's older, and if you just sort of think it's fun. Remember, my eternal advice is to never buy anything you can't live with. But frankly, if I bought a fun, vintage, oil tanker toy boat, I would be pretty happy having that in my home for a long time. Just look at it and think fondly of all the dead seagulls. A, a toy boat is still a fun thing, no matter how grim the background of its real-life counterpart is. You know. And I will leave you on a quote that I asked myself if I should uh, give the source of, but I, I will, just for the sake of transparency, to quote GasStationToyTrucks.com. Since 1964, when the first Hess toy truck was released, collecting this toy trucks has been an American pastime and significant part of American cultural. Wow. <laughs> I felt that. So yeah, uh, my apologies to passionate Hess toy truck collectors. For all of my flippancy, I get it, and you're valid. It sounds so sincere when you tack it on the end of an hour-long podcast shitting on their hobby. <laughs> it's not shitting on it. It's... <laughs>
It's just, it's it's hard to, like, have any sense of, like, decorum about a fucking oil company, you know? I mean, you know. And frankly, I think the collectors also understand that. We know that what you love isn't the oil. It's the fond memories of a, of a brilliant toy and the time you spent with your families. Yeah. Which is what all the best collectibles really come back down to. Sources for today include GasStationToyTrucks.com. Um, sorry for dunking on them, but they were actually very helpful. InsideEdition.com. How the Hess truck became a holiday staple and conjures up childhood nostalgia. Getting an Inside Edition article? That's crazy. Um, <laughs> Reddit.com. The community, no stupid questions. Does anybody actually give a shit about Hess toy trucks? Was this posted by you? No. <laughs> specifically for this episode? It was not posted by me. The Ultimate Hess Truck Guide by Pixar Prime 10 on YouTube. Buying Hess Trucks by Learn Treasure Hunting on YouTube. Shout out to Learn Treasure Hunting. The intro and outro for his videos are delightful. Lovetoknow.com, Hess Truck Values. TheAntiquesAlmanac.com, Hess Trucks. FlipSharkFigures.com, The Flip Shark Guide to Hess Trucks. And HessToyTruck.com, with a focus on their article, Hess Story. <laughs> wow. Truly an impartial source. <laughs> <laughs> I bet they have no skin in the game. But Hess Story is a really funny way to talk about the history of your toys, so. If you would like to suggest an episode topic or just say hello, you can email us directly, antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. You can post on our Facebook group, Antiques Freaks Friends. You can tag us on Tumblr, antiquesfreaks.tumblr.com, or on Instagram at instagram.com slash antiquesfreaks. If you liked all of the things I had to say about your favorite pastime, feel free to go, scroll on down to wherever you're listening to this podcast and leave us an extremely positive five-star review. I can't believe you <laughs> fucking guys talked like that about me. Five stars. I can't believe you disrespected not only my family and my habits, but also the noble bloodline of marks <laughs> five stars and all of his secret hidden handsome clones and if you would like to procure some vintage and antique goods or perhaps even some podcast merch you can check out our etsy shop at etsy.com slash shop slash antiques freaks i've got a really big clown coming up and i'm just gonna leave that there <laughs> And if you need more Antiques Freaks in your week, you can head over to Patreon at patreon.com slash antiquesfreaks, where every week we read and review a chapter of the Victorian Penny Dreadful Varney the Vampire, the Feast of Blood. Special thanks to our patrons for paying our hosting fees and filling our hearts with love. So much love. And thank you in particular for listening. That's right. You. Au revoir. Goodbye. <laughs>